Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. And once again, we want to make sure that everyone is up to date regarding the different types of camping available in our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado and where those different types of camping are permitted. So we've included a link to an article in the show notes of this episode that details all of that. So check that out if you are heading this way to do some hiking or trail running or mountain biking, or maybe all of the above. Okay, today our guest is former BMX rider, Dakota Jones. Sorry, I actually just threw that in for Dakota's benefit. I'm hoping he at least laughed at that. Anyway, many of you actually probably are more familiar with Dakota's accomplishments as a runner rather than as a BMX rider, uh, since he is, in fact, quite good at running. But in this episode, Dakota and I spend less time rehashing his various running accomplishments and more time talking about things like motivation and what's worth valuing and how one passion can evolve into another and how all of those things led Dakota to launch the Footprints Running Camp, the first of which just wrapped up a few weeks ago. So let's now go ahead and get the story from Dakota on all of the above. And here we go. Well, Dakota, how are you today and where are you today? I'm good, thanks. I am in Bozeman, Montana. I spent the la- well, most of the summer, honestly, since like early May in, in Colorado and uh, for a while in Alaska. But now, uh, as of yesterday, I'm back here in Montana, which is nice. And that's, that's where I live these days. I, I'm from Colorado, but for the last two years, I've been in Montana uh, to go to school. Nice. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I was out on a bit of a hike scramble run yesterday, and I don't know if I like picked up some allergies or something in the mountains. Slightly sniffly, but as long as my voice doesn't sound too different, I shouldn't be too annoying, and I don't feel that bad. So there we go. Cool. Are you <laughs> are you in Crested Butte? Is that I am. In? Yep. We're nice. here in Crested Butte, and uh, yeah, had a had a fun outing yesterday i admittedly i often like weekends i'm doing like longer mountain bike rides but you know the the good news from the running side of things is i uh not that long ago blew up on a bike and so broke multiple ribs and like tore up my ac joint and so maybe particularly you know for our off the couch audience this is when i actually start doing sort of longer runs and spend more time kind of on hiking slash trail running, you know, adventures. And so I think my mountain bike injuries are actually a, a bonus for when it comes to like the running side of blister. So, you know, bonus. always, yeah. always a silver lining. <laughs> yeah. Good job. You broke those ribs. Holy cow. That sounds miserable. Speaking of broken bones, you're like sporting a club as of yeah. late. What, what's the story there? Yeah, I broke my hand. Yeah, was I'm this psyched about that? Was this mountain biking? <laughs> no, it was running. I was running. I climbed a peak outside Durango, and then I descended this like super technical chassis steep ridge, which was very exciting. And I had no problem there. And then I got on the best trail in Colorado, the the Colorado Trail itself, and uh, just had this like super kind of accident. This weird. It wasn't even that bad of a fall. Um, 
it was just bad luck honestly there was like a bunch of grass across the trail and immediately on the other side it was washed out um, at least that's what I think happened because it happened so quickly. I was just like all of a sudden fl- like flipping around. Um, but I think I just like went through this grass and my little foot landed on nothing and I just kind of tumbled and it didn't even hurt that bad. But somehow in that process, I I believe that I bent my finger, my ring finger, my left hand back enough that it broke my hand. Huh. Um, yeah. not, not just the finger, but like the hand. Yeah, yeah, it didn't break the finger. The finger's fine. <laughs> it's like it is in my hand, like the part that has a palm. I don't know. It's like in my palm, basically. But it's like the the metacarpal for my ring finger on my left hand. Okay. Um, it's this kind of like oblique fracture. So I'm going to go see the doctor tomorrow and then get surgery to get a little pin placed in it later this week. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. So we're at surg- surgery and pins level of injury. Yeah, apparently, like getting breaking your hand like in that part is is not super great because <laughs> there's all these muscles in in your hand that kind of pull the bones apart if they're not you know intact, and so you have to stabilize it. Um, and I think the worst they'll do is hopefully the worst they'll do is just like put a pin through it. I think they can like shoot a pin through your hand, like the top of your hand, without really like opening you up more than that. Yeah, but I think worst case scenario they do like make a cut, put in a plate. I have all kinds of hardware. So we'll see. <laughs> well, I talked about my silver lining with my injury. Is the silver lining with your hand injury slash impending surgery, that shouldn't interfere too badly with a running program, should it? I don't think it will interfere with my running program. I'm, again, I'll, I'll find out when I meet with the doctor tomorrow morning. Um, but to this point, like it happened last Wednesday, today's Monday, and I'm going to, or and since then, I've run like 60 miles almost. <laughs> okay. So that doesn't... thus far, it's doing okay. <laughs> it's, it's not in, in like impeding my ability to run, but uh, we also might find out that I've really messed things up tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think so. I, I think it's fine. I think really what's going to happen is I'll just take like the day or two easy when I get surgery. Hopefully, it won't be too painful after that. Yeah. And, I don't know. Hopefully they'll give me like a, like right now I have a splint that's wrapped up. So, you know, theoretically, like I could wash all this stuff. (laughs) That's almost my biggest concern is just going to get gnarly when I sweat so much in this cast. (laughs) Yeah, there's probably that. I don't, I don't think it's going to smell great perhaps, but, um, it already doesn't. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, let's get on to less gross topics. I really wanted to hear a bit about this Footprints running camp that happened and wrapped up not too long ago, I believe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Footprints running camp, it's a, a running camp that I started um, and we just had our first camp uh, hell, two, three weeks ago. Um, it's the very, it's the end of July. Um, and it was a big deal for me, I think. <laughs> it's like, uh, I guess it's hard to, to kind of, I mean, I'm still kind of making sense of what it, it meant for me and, and for like the campers and uh, I guess the running world because I'm trying to like help people take action on environmental issues and that's the whole purpose of the camp. And so at this point, we're still trying to figure out what that means, um, both in terms of the camp and like it felt like future camps and like this camp we just had, but I, w- I think that it went really, really well. Really, like everybody seemed to get a lot out of it. They seemed really empowered, which is really the, the purpose, like what we can provide. 
and they, everybody seemed really excited and super motivated. And um, I really felt like we got the best out of our campers and our staff, which is what we were trying to do. Um, so yeah, short, short takeaway. Like there's definitely a lot of things we can improve on, but for a first run, I think we, we did a really good job. And, and I say we, because like I'm, I'm the director, but I mean, I was, I could never have done this by myself. And, and by nature, this camp is collaborative because it's an educational camp. We're like teaching on environmental science and environmental action. And these are things that I'm not an expert in. And I knew that from the beginning. And so the structure of the camp was all about finding the people who are experts in these fields and then bringing them out to the camp to pair them up with campers, each of whom has a project to improve their own community. And so we work together to provide education and uh, the and, and like mentorship for developing these projects throughout the week. And we also had super sweet runs in the San Juans. Let me back you up on this. And, and I kind of want to walk through um, the, the steps here. And you just touched on what some of the actual programming looked like. But so again, the initial idea for Footprints Running Camp, state that again, like the kind of elevator pitch for what the goal was. We've got this on film because elevator pitches was part of what we did. <laughs> you might see this. I, I, we did work on the elevator pitch. But basically what happened, I can give you a slightly uh, longer than the elevator pitch. But in 2018, I rode my bike to the Pikes Peak Marathon and I ran the race and I rode home. And we raised like 11000 something dollars for Protect Our Winters. I mean, I, I won the race. It was like best case scenario, literally. Like in terms of like making a gesture and showing that for me, the mountains are more important than the competition. But if ideally, you know, you could have mountains and competition. And by riding my bike to the race and being able to win it, I was, I was able to show that you can have both. However, at the end of the, the trip, even though it was an incredibly empowering trip, I, I had to come to terms with the fact that I like saved what, like a tank and a half of gas gasoline for my truck and I wore clothes that were made in like Taiwan or Bangladesh and my cl- my bike itself was made out of steel which involves coal and it was transported and my food came from the grocery store you know there's like a lot of imperfections with that trip as there is with any environmental action and that doesn't mean it's not worth doing but really what it came down to for me was if I can't expect everybody to do that. People have jobs, people have families. You can't just like take a weeks off of your life in order to ride your bike to a race. Like in, if I was to ask that of everybody else in the world, that'd be an incredibly entitled position to take. And so I was like, well, how can I empower people to do these actions with whatever means they have in their own circumstances? And that, that led me to the camp is like, we can bring people together and they provide us with a project of their own or at least a problem that they are concerned about, that they want to take action on, but they don't know how. And so that way we can work with them through their own circumstances to provide the ability to take action. Okay. Um, so that's like the 30,000 foot view. At the camp itself, every camper is paired up with a mentor. A mentor is somebody who has experience in the outdoor industry or in business or in education, somebody who knows how to create a program get a community surrounding it, build fundraising, create a budget and a strategy, these sorts of things. Somebody who has like the hard skills to put these projects into action. And they work, and each camper works one-on-one with their mentor throughout the week to develop their project. This is an interesting part of it that I didn't know. There was an expectation that campers would come in with a problem or question 
already in mind for their community, as opposed to, say, somebody showing up and saying, like, I, I don't really know, but I'm coming to the camp maybe to get some ideas for what I might be able to return to my community to do. Exactly. So the way I see it is the difference between awareness and action. We have enough awareness about environmental issues. What we need is action. And what we're, our, the people we're appealing to are people who are motivated and passionate, people who care and want to take action but don't know how. I think that all of us probably feel that way to some degree, and we all know a ton of people, especially in this outdoor industry, who, who feel the same way. So what we wanted to do is empower people and give them the hard skills so that they can make a difference for their own communities. And the reason we did it at the community level rather than like the global level is because you can see a difference in your own town you know we all need to take action to impact like global affairs but what we it's like hard to see a, dif a difference that you make even in a lifetime of effort at the global level um it, even if you are making a difference you know it's like it's when you when you work at your community level you can see change happen and that's really empowering and you see it affect people you care about and that's really meaningful yeah so structure of the camp run in the morning and then we come back have a nap and lunch and then we get an edge we have a presentation from that day's speaker who's an environmental scientist they teach about their work which uh, is like in this this year was food systems and mining and climate change and uh, protect our winters like what kind of protect our winters does those were our four speakers so we'd have in the afternoon a presentation from them with an activity that was usually about two hours and then we transition into working on the projects directly i'm asking you some really like brass tacks, like basic questions about how this structured. And again, understanding this was the first one. So, you know, some of this might look different in say year two or three, but for this year, did you limit the number of spots and like how much of an actual application process was there for this? You know, were, were you at the point where you're like, we're really trying to evaluate different campers, ideas, projects, etc. How did you handle that? So in order to come to the camp, you had to fill out an application and present it to us. And the application was, it was basic information about who you are and where you're from. But then the, the, the meat of it was an essay, which we wanted to stay less than a thousand words that talked about what is the problem you're concerned about and what solution do you propose to do about it, to fix it. Um, you don't have to have that solution figured out entirely, not really. I mean, that's the point of the camp is we develop that with you. But we did want people to be like, this is what I want to do. And this is why. And then we would read these and evaluate them and, and invite them to camp. So it's not the sort of thing you just sign up for. You have to apply and be sort of accepted. Um, we had at some at one point, because it was meant to be 2020 was supposed to be our first camp. Obviously, nothing happened last summer, so we've delayed it a year. But going into 2020, we had 13 campers. And then coming into 2021 summer, we had six. <laughs> and then we brought it up to and ended up bringing it up to eight, which I think was perfect for this year. For first in year. In the future, yeah, I don't think I'll do more than 10 in the future because every camper is paired up with a mentor. So 10 campers is honestly it's 22 people because there's like 10 more mentors plus me plus a film person so yeah. it gets uh, a little heavy yeah. and a little busy does that answer your question yeah so it's been just a few weeks now but have you i guess the question i'll ask is did you already have a sense of what 
you know, some of these, like of the eight campers, these are then eight different communities or were there some people coming from the same place? Like, do you already have a pretty good sense of what people were then leaving the camp to go back to do in their individual communities? Or is that itself still kind of evolving? Well, so our camp is designed to give everybody the tools to take action and to create a plan for, t- for taking action. Um, and, and that starts at coming up with like a why. That was a big part of it. It's like a big capital W-H-Y. It's like, why do you want to do this? And that really, um, these, these activities we did, which dug into like why people want to do these projects, it actually ended up changing half the projects, <laughs> because like substantially, because they they dive dove into it and they're like realize that they're just kind of trying to take action on environmental issues because they they do care but it's like they're not really sure but then when they figured out like what they're really passionate about that led them to other other areas and other projects and um for example like half the i mean half the projects honestly aren't even like directly environmental focused anymore (laughs) Um, people transition them into being about like improving the mental health in my community or providing access for underserved youth just to the outdoors just to getting outside or into wild places Um, these sorts of things which are absolutely part of environmental problems but they're less directly uh, focused on you know we're not all just cleaning up water quality or air quality or something. Um, so I, I really, really encourage that because we know that people are going to do the best they can do if they really, really care about what they're doing. And so it was really cool to see some of these campers come in with, they're like, I really care, but I'm not sure what to do. And then when we like dug into the why, we found out what they care most about. And they were so empowered, super excited about finding out like, no, I didn't want to do that. I want to do this. This is what's meaningful to me. And they went home fired up. It was really fun to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's so interesting, like igniting that thing, that thing that just each individual happens to be for whatever reason particularly passionate about man that is just like such a key element i think to like pretty much every human life like if i sort of was trying to cajole you into doing this thing that like i'm really passionate about but maybe it's like number 12 on your list are the outcomes just are not probably going to be that great but that work of just helping people really really figure out or get clear on the thing that is like they just happen to be most inspired to do or are most passionate about that actually kind of shouldn't be understated or underestimated. Yeah, exactly. And another thing is that you are passionate about thing A and maybe thing A is number 12 on somebody else's list, but it's still something they care about even if it's number 12 on their list. And so you can get that person to come out one day a year, two days a year. You know, that person, like that can be part of your project is like communicating with the people who aren't necessarily like overwhelmingly passionate about this thing, but they do care and they want to be part of it. And so you get them to come out for one day a year. And like, that's, I mean, that's leadership, you know, you can, you got to form a community around what you're doing and you can't expect everybody to have the same passion as you. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is helping people clarify what their number one is. You know, like I just think like I, there's a lot of problems in the world. There's a lot of things to work on. And I sort of just maintain this belief that the more we can get 
people working on their top one or two things, like we all need to, obviously, we have multiple responsibilities, right, in our day-to-day lives. But that work of trying to help people figure out, determine, or move forward with the one, the top one, two, or three things motivating them, I, I just think we end up with a better world if we're really connecting people to go move and take leadership in those things that are particularly animating for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that people who think a lot about their like their lives and like consider their lives struggle with this concept of, or this difference between like what you should do and what you want to do. Yeah. Because it's it's really like a spectrum and what you should do and what you want to do can be the same thing, but it's not always and and where where exactly you your own path lies along that path, along that spectrum is is really hard to determine. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that, that's something we addressed a lot at the camp. Do you, I mean, it's a great way to put it, what you should do versus what you want to do. And I guess what I was just saying is I think we get to the best outcomes, the more we can connect people with what they actually want to do and are kind of driven to do. Because that's going to be the thing that keeps keeps them at it, you know, day after day and inspiring other people. And do you agree with that? Or are you more, say, suspicious of that, skeptical of that? No, I think you're right. Absolutely. If you care, if you're passionate about something, you'll you'll do a much better job than if you're just doing it to, like, get a paycheck or something. Yeah. Or do, doing it because somebody else is passionate about it. Yeah, exactly. Um I mean, I think that a, a strong leader and more importantly, a good communicator, I guess that's really the same thing, um, can inspire passion in people who weren't necessarily excited about something. But but yeah, you do have to have that excitement in order to do a good job. I mean, we've all seen that. It's like with ultra marathoning, it's a great ex- example. It's like anybody can run 100 miles. I honestly believe that. But it's also perfectly acceptable not to want to run a hundred miles. It's a lot of work and you have to want it. You have to be passionate enough about it to put in the work. And it's much, much, much more work to address climate change effectively. And if that's not your thing, then like you're not going to be excited about doing that work and it's not, then you're not going to do a good job. And yeah, I think, I think you're right. Do you think that you've found what, what you're passionate about? Yeah. I mean, I think like, this endeavor to create this thing called blister, right? I mean, was responding to some, some gaps that I saw in kind of the, the outdoor landscape. And so a a big part of where this started was, could someone write actually honest and in-depth product reviews about all of this really expensive outdoor equipment? That's kind of where things started on this blister project, you know, 11 years ago. And then since then, once you start addressing that first question, that's when you can be freed up to maybe expand the focus, right? And start to turn attention to some other things. And so, you know, I think in the story of blister, like part of that is, okay, we started doing product reviews in a way that we think is going to be beneficial to a whole lot of people again because this equipment is quite expensive but i think like with these podcasts and other things we're doing that's let us try to expand some of the conversations taking place 
right in the sort of in the running world or in the mountain bike world or in the ski world right and sort of maybe there were certain conversations that we didn't see happening and so here's our attempt to also do that right and i think this has just been an ongoing evolution um, on this front. And, you know, certainly my own background and interest in philosophy and stuff like that colors maybe what those product reviews we do look like, colors what some of these conversations we have look like and, you know, that kind of thing. So I'll wrap with this. I think ultimately is like whatever you happen to be really passionate at a given point in time Generally, I'm for like going hard and deep on that particular area. And then likely there will be a shift at some point, right? And when there is that shift, I think you'll go into that new thing with more experience, with a deeper perspective and with a broader range of expertise, right? Than you had a year or two or three ago. And I kind of, I don't know, I'm very curious to see what you think of this, but I kind of think that's what it means to be living like an engaged human life. Yeah, I I really appreciate that. This idea of the shift, because I, I think that a lot of people are afraid to try big, difficult things or long-term things because, you know, going through one door sort of implies that you shut many other doors and it's scary to do that. We all struggle with that. Um, But you know, that going through, I mean, there's nothing worse than than doing nothing, right? Doing the wrong right. thing is far better than doing nothing. And so this idea of like accepting that you're going to go through this door, even if you're unsure of it, and you're going to take this path. I don't know if it's the right thing, but it's it's the best I know right now. Yep. And then you, you will like accept that that's not the path you're going to follow for the rest of your life. It's okay if you do change along the along the way. Yeah. And as you say, you'll you'll go into that new thing with much more experience and depth of knowledge. I think a lot about this in terms of like chapters of life or different seasons of life. And I guess I would be interested to ask you if you had to sort of lay out some, maybe what looks like to you to be different chapters of life. I'm wondering how you would say that or assess your own life, right? Like going back to like you as a kid, like what were you into and how have you seen the different chapters turn in your own life? <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's an interesting idea. Um, for for myself, like I think that if you count childhood as like the first chapter, like up to like eighteen or so, um, I was really into BMX biking. <laughs> like that was my jam, dude. <laughs> I like, didn't know that. Yeah, I was super into it. Uh, I rode BMX like all the time until I was like eighteen or nineteen, even I don't know. Um, and uh, I got like I got into mountain stuff when I was in high school as well. You know, like I started like running cross country in high school and and rock climbing and and got into trail running when I was like seventeen and like mountain running. So it was like kind of a, a gradual transition. It's a bit of a Venn diagram where I'm like really into BMX, but also getting into these other things. But then starting with I guess when I graduated high school. Um, I had already done a few ultras and then I got super into it and I, I like ran a ton of races from from 2009 to uh, like 14 or so. Um, yeah, like five years there. I, that was like maybe chapter two where I was like fully committed to trail running and I wanted to race as much as possible and I wanted to tr- 
travel and I had a lot of opportunities to do both of those things. And it was amazing. I got, I was so lucky. I mean, I'm still so lucky, but like being able to travel around the world and race at a really high level. And, you know, you get better at difficult things by doing them and racing is difficult. So I think that I improved a lot in those years as a, as an athlete. Um, but then probably maybe chapter three would be from like 2014 or 15 up until honestly, until like this year when I, cause like 2014, I dropped out of UCMB and I was just like, just, I just didn't have any, I just didn't want to be there. I, I wasn't hurt. I wasn't sick. I just was like, I don't, this is, I don't have a purpose for this. I was, and it's, it was the start of this, this period where, which I've still started with, um, where I'm like, you know, I'm spending a ton of time and effort and money and resources to make myself a little bit better at running. And that's just like too selfish for me. Like there's not enough here. And like, what am I, what in the hell am I even doing here? I'm in the most beautiful place possible. And I'm doing this incredibly like entitled thing and I don't want to do it. Like, it's just, it's not enough. There's gotta be something more than just like running fast. Um, and I was also very into environmental issues, but I'm not taking action. And I think that I had a period of like six or more years where I was still trying to race at a high level, but also having these really deep questions about why I was doing it and what I wanted to actually do and like how much impact I had on the planet uh, as an athlete and how to try to address that, how to reduce my own impact. But also, you know, I, I, I've always been aware that this community we have is incredibly meaningful and powerful and and like that's there's something there's that's a tool we can use for good but also there's a lot of aspects of the outdoor industry that are very extractive and very materialistic and i don't love that and so i honestly think that doing this footprints camp this year was my first like real step in addressing these questions how can i use this sport that i love to protect the places that we do it in to protect the world in general I don't know. Does that answer? It totally question? does. It answers it very well. And this is the thing that I kind of love. That was an incredible, like you, you answered, that was an A plus answer, like in terms right. of these, these different, these different chapters. And what I think is cool. And I was just talking about this. I mentioned yesterday I was out on, it was like a five hour, you know, hike, scramble trail run session and was with my, with, with my good friend, Drew and we were talking about some issues related very much to this. Like, and one of the things we were saying yesterday is, so like, let's take this chapter two in your life that you were talking about, where there was a much more, say, specific focus on like, this is going to be a period of life where I'm trying to get really good at running and run really fast and, and try to maximize my ability as a runner, right? I, yeah. I sure would hope that for each of us, and now you're saying my focus might be a little bit different. There are there are broader things that I'm maybe focused on at the moment. I'd like to think that each of us could go back and view like the the previous chapters of our lives with like a lot of gratitude, you know? And like that was a cool season of life. It might not be where I'm at right now or i've expanded the things i care about or you know i want to explore this environmental side that you just articulated really well but that doesn't mean we need to like go back and denigrate a period where you're like yo i maybe was just way more focused on like fast times you know yeah and and i think why i guess i want to say that is 
somebody listening to this right now may still be in a period where they are obsessed with trying to like optimize their own running. And like, I don't know. And again, I'm curious what you think of this. Like, maybe that's okay. You know, that's where they're at. And you used to be there. And you, in two years from now, you might be like re-energized to go sort of do that again. Right? Like, I think there's something about in this whole chapters of life or seasons of life thing where like, let's respect where people are. And like, we again, acknowledge this stuff can change or shift up. And maybe that diehard runner listening to this right now is exactly where you are today in like six weeks or six months. <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope that I didn't sound like I was denigrating someone you did not. who's committed you did not. to <laughs> athletics. Uh, you know, like if, if I'm really like right now, I'm at a point where I'm using the trail running world and hopefully the outdoor industry to take action for environmental yeah. problems. Um, and it's incredibly important that we have this world, this community of outdoor athletes. And in order to maintain this community of outdoor athletes, we have to have people who are super psyched on outdoor sports. Yep. And so like, I mean, I like watching sports. I like watching times. I mean, I do still care about that yeah. sort of thing. And, and I still race and I, and I want to race a lot more. Like I have a lot of goals for that. Um, and so I, I think that like folk getting really psyched on training and racing is, is awesome. You know, yeah. I don't think that that and like sort of social or environmental action are mutually exclusive by any means. Right. Um, honestly, the people who are the most passionate about training and racing, they, they've clearly demonstrated that they have passion for something that, that they're willing to, and they're willing to work really, really hard for it. And huh. that's, that's all you need really to become an activist. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what you choose to do. Yes. Yeah. You know, I certainly don't go to races and look at people who are, who like spend their lives racing and think like, Oh, they're not good enough. They're yeah. not as good as me. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, it's interesting on the environmentalism. Were there specific people in your life or specific films or books that kind of helped ignite this passion in you? I don't really know. Um, I, th I know that I've always cared about environmental issues. I, I've, I like pretty vividly remember being like under 10 at some age and like realize, like kind of starting to hear about bad environmental problems and like getting super freaked out by them. Um, it's just always been something that I cared about. But also, of course, dude, there's a lot that's learned. And um, my dad, especially, he was really big into backpacking and hunting. Um, and we did all, all kinds of mountain sports, which is, you know, kind of, I don't know if it's interesting. It's like he was like also very Republican. Yeah. He was a chemical engineer um, and he was very Republican, but he was also very much um, he, like he loved Edward Abbey books. Like he bought me the Monkey Wrench Gang when I was like thirteen or fourteen or something. And, and I feel like that's because he that this was back in a time when the environmental and especially climate change, environmental issues and climate change had not been so polarized politically. And so you could be a Republican and also address climate change, which is like what we're trying to work back to because yeah. obviously they're not mutually exclusive. But it does seem to be like that's the conversation. But that's a different thing. The point is, my dad was into this stuff. He taught it to me for sure. But I also think some of it was like innate. For, yeah, it's just one of these things. Like for whatever reason, it's just been my issue that I care about. And, huh. I, and I get that it's not everybody's like number one. But for me, it is. Well, man, having a parent hand you 
Edward Abbey at the age of 13. Yeah, that could leave a mark. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, it, it was my, my both my parents, I'm sure. I, I feel like I learned a lot of compassion and love from my mom. Like, I think that that sort of like, I think I learned a lot of empathy from my mom. And that's something that I definitely carry forward as I take, as I do the things I do now. Tell me about what you're studying in Bozeman these days. I went to college. I came back to school. I went to college out of high school for like a year and a half and studied English. And then I dropped out. Um, but as of two years ago, I started studying mechanical engineering. It's going well. <laughs> it's taking forever. I, uh, my biggest frustration is that I can't take every class. I really, really like this stuff. I've never studied math and science before, and I'm super excited about it. And uh, there's just so many classes I want to take, and I can't take them all. So it's a good problem to have. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. And, and the reason I did this was because I want to take action for my environmental issues. Um, I was like, you know, beyond being an athlete and being an activist, how can I actually directly influence things like climate change? And in its simplest form, I was like, well, people are ca causing these problems with technology. So maybe we can make technology that doesn't cause problems so badly, you know? So that is the kind of specific motivation that you're bringing into the study of mechanical engineering? Exactly. Yeah. Well, say more about that. Like, where might this go? Well, there's a, a, I mean, what I like about it is that it's so broad. It could go a lot of different places. Um, you know, if you're really interested in taking action on environmental things, like you could become a scientist, you could become a politician or an economist, you could become a lawyer. Many of those things are probably more directly effective. <laughs> but I feel like for my personality, I really liked the idea of engineering. Um, I think there's probably some other part of me that's like, you know, my dad was an engineer and I've always kind of been intrigued by it. And I never really did math and science. And I was like, I want to prove to myself that I can do something really hard in this in this sphere. In terms of like environmental action, I mean, there's so much like as an as an as a mechanical engineer in general, it's like the most uh, kind of the broadest form of engineering. And so I could go to work or graduate school and, and apply these principles that I'm learning in a, a, a lot of different ways. I could go to grad school for science and I could become a climate scientist. I could, um, something that's really interested me is materials engineering, um, because that underlies everything. And so if we could like create better materials that don't use as many petroleum products, then I think that, you know, that's a solution to something. <laughs> um, there's, you know, energy engineering, um, energy generation and transmission is, is one of the biggest impacts of, you know, has has one of the biggest impacts on, on climate. And so creating better, better systems for that is a way to do it. At the, and at the very least, I will be, I will have a greater depth of knowledge to be able to communicate better about environmental issues. 99% of my conversations about climate change are going to be surface level, but having this depth of knowledge will allow me to say more with fewer words and will also allow me to communicate with people who do have a greater depth of knowledge and like actually get into the technical aspects of these things. So there's a lot to it, I think, but it's, a, it's basically just like laying a foundation for me now. I think that it's, it's just the start of what I want to do. Yep. A another good chapter, right? Like yeah, exactly. dive go in on this and then you're it's gonna lead to an interesting next chapter and uh you're gonna keep your head on a swivel and just looking at what the opportunities and interests might look like again, six months from now, a year from now, et cetera. And whatever those might be, you're gonna have this foundation and uh a new area of expertise to take into that next chapter. 
Exactly. Yeah. I, I see. I don't know exactly what I'll do with it. Might be graduate school, might be a job. Um, honestly, having just done the camp, that's that was really, really meaningful to me. And I want to do a lot more stuff like that. I think teaching is really, really fun and and, and powerful <laughs> like personally, like makes you feel like you're doing something that means something. Um, I don't know if I'm ready to quite be a high school teacher or something like that, but uh, there's a lot of different ways to teach. And so I'm interested in that. So looking aside from the school stuff, I think you have answered that well for us and we have a good sense of that trajectory. Let's let's talk about your next say 12 months. So in within 12 months, you may have pulled off a second footprints running camp by this point, right? If we talked 1 year from today, you may have been just wrapping up a second what else do you imagine for this next year? Um, yeah, hopefully, actually, a year from now, we might be wrapping up our third camp. Because uh-huh. um, we're going to do one in Colorado at the end of July next year. And then we're going to do one in Switzerland oh, wow. one, a week or two after that. So trying to, you know, like, I, I just think there's a, a market for this in anywhere there's an outdoor sports and obviously like trail running is far more mainstream in Europe. Um, and they also, I think tend to have a greater sort of environmental awareness. <laughs> and so, um, I've been working with some friends who live over in, in Europe. Um, and particularly one guy, Pascal Egley, who if you follow trail running, you may know him. He's yep. a Dina fit runner. Um, and he's also about to get his PhD in glaciology. And so he's, he's just been really excited about the camp from the beginning. And so he's helping me kind of, push through the the red tape to to make the camp happen in switzerland next year um so a little intimidating but (laughs) pretty exciting yeah (laughs) yeah for sure what about on the running side of things the racing side of things good question yeah so on september 17th i'm gonna run the run rabbit run 100 and that'll be my eighth 100 mile race or at least eighth attempt. <laughs> so far, I, I, I'm like, uh, what am I? I'm, I'm, I think I'm four for seven. So <laughs> a little more than 50%. Um, but uh, last year, I, I ran my first 100-mile race in like like eight years, and it, and it went quite well. I felt really good about it. At, at, and I, that was at the I'm Tough. And so I'm looking forward to getting a little more experience in that this year. Um, and then I'll put in for Hard Rock next year. Excellent. Um, I'd really like to run Hard Rock next summer. But you never know. It's, it's like funny. It's, it's really hard to plan, but... I'll, I'll find out in December. So I guess best case scenario, you know, it's like I'm going to school all this fall and all next spring, but I'll run the run rabbit run. Um, I'll get into hard rock and I'll probably do some, some race in the spring to try to, you know, still compete. I like racing. Yeah. Um, and then focus on like, I'll probably go to hard rock or to Silverton and, and, and train and, and live up there and train for hard rock through the summer and then put on the second camp after that. And then go to Switzerland after that. Hey, man, that sounds like a pretty good twelve-month plan. I think so. Yeah, it's it's enough. I tend to overbook <laughs> myself and try to do too many things at once. And uh, I'm sure you you do the same thing uh, <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. So I feel like part of growing up is realizing to just like choose a few things that matter the most and do a good job at those. Yeah. It's a hard it's a hard game to play. Yeah. I mean. It's kind of one of the cool things again about like being alive though is like once you start, you know, that that process of just examining all the possible options. And there's a lot of great ones, right? 
and um, and then you you kind of go broad. You try to survey the landscape as best you can and like what you might do. And then to go through that process of homing in on like, all right, this, these are going to be the two or three or four things to focus on. And let's, let's go hard on those few things. It's a, it's a pretty fun life process, I think. Yeah, I think so too. And now I feel like I'm a little older. I'm, I'm getting better at, at finding and like deciding. Because I don't know, I feel like just in general, everybody's like, find your passion, do what you love. And I feel like that just sort of implies that there's like this perfect thing for you out there that you're meant to do. You were made for it and you just got to find it, dude. Um, and in my, in my experience, it's, it's way more of a decision. It's like, you like to do a lot of things. You care about a lot of things, but at some day you have to just choose one or choose two, you know, the, as many, I guess as many as you can <laughs> too. But, um, I think that you do have to like let go of things that you would love to do in order to do a good job of the things that you care most about. Tis a process. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, this has been great. I really appreciate you kind of especially filling us in just on this Footprints running camp. And I was really curious like how that went and, um, you know, maybe some hints at how it may evolve. And I, I think you've done a, a good job of recapping that. And and man, we sure got into some broader topics as well. So Yeah. Well thanks for having me. It's it's really nice nice to be to be able to share it. It's it's fun to uh I don't know. It's something I think about all the time, you yeah. know. So it's it's cool. And and the more I realize the more I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't, I've done enough self-promotion in my life and that's something I've definitely struggled with as an athlete, but you, you know, in order to get the word out about this camp, I have to do this to some degree. Um, and every time I do it, I come on here and I have a great conversation with you or whoever's the host. And it's always really fun. Mm. I'm all fired up now. <laughs> well, good. Well, that should be a good place to leave it. I will leave you all fired up and uh, ready to think about uh, the various things you have on your plate these days and good luck with all of it. And it'll be exciting to see how Footprints grows and evolves and how you do with these these races you have in mind. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, and one thing I forgot is we're going to do a, like a fundraiser run for Footprints. And I'm not, we haven't like figured out a date for that, but because Footprints is like, we're trying to keep the price as low as possible for people so that it's like not prohibitive, but also it, it is pretty an expensive thing to do. And we also want to provide like funds to some of our campers to get their projects going after the camps. Um, we're going to do a fundraiser, which I think is going to be like a 12 hour run mountain bike thing. Um, you can do it on teams. You can do a all running or switch, whatever. I'll probably try to run 12 hours and see how many miles I can do. Um, we'll have prizes. We'll have shows. It'll be pretty fun. And so I don't know exactly when that'll be. I'm hoping I'd like to do it like around Halloween, but Bozeman could be like total like winter, like super cold then. So we'll decide, but stay tuned and it'll be fun. I'll, I'll invite everybody I know. We <laughs> nice. want to make it a party. Well, and so if people are interested and want to make sure they don't miss any updates on this, where are the best places where they should be either following you or getting updates about, you know, this fundraiser or footprints in general, where they should go to connect? Yeah. The website is www.runfootprints.com. The Instagram is Footprints Running Camp. We have a Twitter and a Facebook, but I never look at those. So I just go to Instagram or the website. Yeah, um, yeah. and so the, those are the two best ones. Um, and we'll, we'll update people. But there's we also have a mailing list. 
which is something I haven't actually done yet, but we, I, I'm going to. I'm going to send out emails because that's what everybody needs is more emails, right? <laughs> that's what I was just thinking today. Yeah, you're like, damn, I haven't gotten enough emails. <laughs> well, hey, man, good luck with all of it. Appreciate the time and hope to uh, catch up with you again soon. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on here. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. All right, man, take care. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. I want to say thanks to Dakota for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everyone else. Please keep moving forward. And we will talk to you again real soon.